You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Steady Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. This your boy 35, the All-American. And Dan. How are y'all boys feeling, man? We fresh off the uh fall thrashing. Um, should have been a little bit more thrash, but how y'all feeling this uh fine Monday evening? The Gators are eight and one, going to Atlanta. I got to take the boat out yesterday. The first time in a little while, so you know how I'm feeling. Uh, mm. Got my trip to South Florida booked for uh, for Christmas. Got three boat days playing there, so you know I'm riding high on the hog right now. You do fishing or you just cruising yesterday? Just cruising. Nice weather out, man. I don't blame you. So Dan was driving the boat, huh? And and look at me, another boat trip, another uh, trip where all the passengers survived. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, we so, got a boat. So, so, so I'm starting to think Silk was lying there. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. Hey man, I, just, so, I, I still won't get out there with you yet, quite yet, Dan. So. All right, it's your, you're you're the one missing out, my friend. Uh, December third, we're gonna hang out down here in um in South Florida on the boat. We're gonna see what's up. Yeah. Get some vibes. Other That's than right. that, I didn't do much this weekend. Same old, same old. Um, um, did a lot of. Uh, matter of fact, we had closed the kids' charity Saturday. Yeah, tell me about that. That was huge. That was big. A lot of people showed up. We filled uh, two or three trucks up with a, a lot of clothes and shoes, uh, a lot of money don donations. But it was fun, man. Um, the people that pulled up, we gave them a quick tour of the building with masks and whatnot, kept it safe. But, yeah, it was just uh, a good little time to give back. How much did you guys end up raising? Do you have a, a final count yet? No, I haven't done the financials um, count on anything. I can't remember. I think last year we did like five grand. I don't think we did more than five grand this year. I got I got to get with TJ and the guys and see what we end up raising. But I uh, definitely had way more clothes and shoes than we had last year. Last year we had more money than anything. A uh, shout out to Bennett Auto. They gave us uh not only did they lend us the trucks, they also just gave us a few hundred bucks at the end of the day just to go buy some clothes from like Walmart or whatever. So that was dope as well. Excellent, excellent. Ahmad, how was your weekend? My weekend went went well. I uh went down to St. Pete with my wife to um she had a, a friend's baby shower, so we just hung out there and um, came back. So nothing too extravagant, but nice and chill. Silk, I think that's the tenth or eleventh time Ahmad's been in my neck of the woods and not nearly a phone call, you know? I didn't even know. I think it's yeah. top secret missions now, Dan. Yeah, I'm, telling, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I remember all when right. I be with the fam, man. Look, my wife make it, all, she make all the plans, man. I just go. You know I get saying, it. So. I get it. Well, we got a big show today, boys. Let's get into a few pieces of uh, of show news. Uh, Atlanta is booked. We are all set and ready to go for the week yeah. of December 18th, 19th, and 20th. So we've got a big event at Big Sky on Friday night from 5 to 8 in Buckhead. Look forward to having you all there uh, joining us. We'll have drink tickets and all that kind of fun stuff for you. On Saturday morning, we'll be at the Trap Music Museum. That'll just be a live stream and a show uh, for us. Unfortunately, I wish we could invite you all to be there. And then right after that, from probably about 2 until 6, 
We will be at Park Bar, which is just about a 10-minute walk from the stadium. It is the closest bar to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so please come hang out, join us. Tailgating is going to be limited, but we know the drinks and food will be flowing at Park Bar. And then after that, we are partnering with the Atlanta Gator Club, and we will be doing a Q&A and hanging out uh, over at Fado and Buckhead on uh on saturday night during the game so join us uh, all of that is sponsored by our friend uh alan horn who sponsored a couple of our gator panels so we're very appreciative to him uh reach out to alan uh for all of your insurance needs if you live up there in georgia at 706-692-2888 uh, outside of that we are doing a big patreon giveaway uh for people that are a member of patreon uh, all the details are on our Twitter feed. And then check out our uh, our shop. Bunch of new T-shirts, bunch of new merchandise uh, on there. So looking forward to uh, having you guys wear some of the new ATL takeover stuff that we put up uh, there as well. So just some show business to get out of the way. Shout out to my man, uh, Johnny Rutledge. He's going to pull up on us in Atlanta to hang out with us at Big Sky and Trap Museum and all that stuff. He want to hang out all weekend, man. So shout out to a hometown legend, Johnny Rutledge, coming in. He I'm lives in the A. Yeah, he's going to pull up. I'm here for it. All right, boys, let's get, into the, uh, let's get into the show. Let's hang out. Let's go. This show is always is sponsored by our friends over at the Thomas Firm, which is going to handle insurance claims for property damage to your home or business. Boris have over 20 years of experience handling roof damage and leaks from storms, water damage, hail damage, hurricanes, sinkholes, and fires. They work all over the state of Florida. So give them a call if you need their help, 813-221-2525. Visit them at tntattorneys.com. Again, 813-221-2525. All right, boys, big week in Gator News. Uh, some of the players that we've talked about on this show are now finalists for some big awards. So let's go through some of that. Kyle Trask just got announced that he is a finalist for, or pardon me, semifinals for three different awards, the Davey O'Brien Award, the Maxwell Award, and the Johnny Unitas QB Award. Kyle Pitts is a semifinalist for the Bolitnikoff Award, which they announced this year goes to the best receiving target regardless of position, uh, the Mackey Award, which is for the top tight end, and then the Maxwell Award. Evan McPherson is a semifinalist for the Lou Groza Award for top kicker in the country. And then Kyer Elam is a semifinals for the Thorpe Award. You guys want to call out any picks? Any winners? Um, I like Kyle Pitts to win most, most of the awards he's up for. Um, I've been had uh, Kyle Trash down for Heisman. I don't think Kyer wins the Thorpe. What about McPherson winning the Lou Groza Award for the best kicker? I don't know if he wins that. What's his what's his, what's this landscape like? I know he's missed a few. Yeah, he's missed I think three on the season. Uh, that seems like it's an award that definitely is a lifetime achievement award. I think that he becomes a finalist. I'm not sure if he wins or not. Uh, but kicking is one of those things where you often get a kicker from like BYU or Eastern Washington that right. you know, pulls it off. So um, just all semifinalists now. But shout out to those uh, four guys for for being semifinalists, no matter. Um, if he win or not, being being up there is a uh, certainly a great honor. Other news, wide receiver, walk-on, Jalen Jackson. He's a guy that normally we wouldn't talk about because he's walk-on, but he did uh, have some playing time uh, a little bit last season. Uh, a lot of players talked about him being a very electric player, uh, just a super crowded uh, wide receiver room. He has announced that he will be entering the transfer portal. Um, so I think that's all for player news. Big shout-out to – 
friend of the show, alumni of the show, friend Nick Delatore, who moved on from Gator Country to Rivals. We we're trying to work it so he could make the announcement on the show, boys, but but Rivals made him announce it a little bit earlier. So big shout out to Nick Delatore. Shout to Nick and shout to kickers. Very yeah, and punters too. Yeah, all that. And then finally, other piece of Gator news that we on favorite Kyle Trask for the last few weeks has been your favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. After this week, Mac Jones and the betting markets have switched with Mac Jones as a bit of the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, wanted to, we might get into this question a little bit later with Tim Brandon, but want to know what your guys' thoughts. Um, you think Mac Jones did enough yesterday, or pardon me, on a Saturday to win uh, the Heisman Trophy or put himself in a, in a position to, to win, or was it just because Alabama won so decisively and Florida just didn't win as decisively uh, to shift those odds? Yeah, we're not doing ourselves any favors with, with not just beating the crap out of some of these teams. Um, I do think we're keeping it vanilla on offense, but I still think Kyle's in, in a good position. His numbers are crazy. Um, the odds are, are what the odds are, but – um, they look how square in his face and tell him he can't get a Heisman with these type of numbers. Then, like the system's flawed, like it's it's all full of crap at this point. Absolutely. So, um, I like Kyle still to win it. I like where he stands. I, I was thinking yeah. the same. I was thinking. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you out there. I was just gonna say. I was, I was thinking the same thing, bro. Because his numbers are outrageous. So you know, if, if he don't win it, you just give me a good enough reason why you feel like Mac Jones or whoever else won it win it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, there's definitely been some talk about. Uh, the wide receiver um, Devonte and, uh, and and the um, and, and Najee, the running back, potentially splitting some of those votes or taking some of those votes from Mac Jones. It'll be interesting to see if you know a lot of the, the writers and everything else kind of coalesce behind one of those, or if that's true. Uh, I think right now Kyle Pitts deserves the award. I think that he's done the most for his team. I think if you take Mac Jones off of Alabama, Alabama is still a juggernaut. I think you take Kyle Trask off of this Florida team and they're not quite the same. And, and to me, that's what the Heisman Trophy is about. It's about team impact, not just being the best player on the best team. Uh, so we'll see. There's still a couple games left to go. And, you know, these are just betting markets. He's, uh, Vegas doesn't have an actual vote. Um, and then I guess the final piece of Gator news that, that I almost forgot, glad, glad we remembered, um, the first UF national champion in women's track, a, a lady by the name of Heidi Hertz Sweet, uh, just passed away. Um, but she uh, was the first woman's national uh, champion in women's track, like I said. So rest in peace to her, obviously a legend in, in her own mind, only 64 years old. Sweet. Well, let's get to the game breakdown against Tennessee, which is brought to us by our friends, uh, at the law firm of Friedland and Associates. So if you are, have an issue with auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, or personal injury case in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida, give Lee a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or visit yourfighthourbattle.com. Again, that's 1-800-95-INJURED yourfighthourbattle.com. Florida comes off a 31-19 to win over Tennessee where they let up some late points at the end of the game to make that game a little bit closer. But I guess starting with you, Ahmad, what are your thoughts on that game? Um, I mean, we definitely left some points out on the table. Uh, we definitely could have done some things better. Um, you know, I, I just hate the late, the late game scoring. Um, it just sounds like a weak excuse sometimes when people say it. Um, 
I, I like to keep the teams up in so that's just me. But uh, you know, definitely left some points on the table and we could do some things better, but ultimately came out with a W. Yeah, um, just a game we should have just so I, yeah, a game we should have blown these people out. Um, I mean, we controlled the game the entire time, but uh, each week I want to see us peaking and getting better towards Atlanta. Uh, right. I don't think the goal is just to beat Tennessee. Be I, yeah, I think we could beat Tennessee. We're going to beat LSU. But the biggest thing is, is are we getting better at the, at the spots that we're concerned about? Offensive line? No, nah, I don't think we're getting better at offensive line. Uh, we all want to see some things shuffled around to maybe see some progression as far as push. And I think Tennessee was a setback with uh, – the run game, uh, offen- offensive uh, line, a scrimmage play. Uh, Gene Glance is, is out there playing a whole other game. I don't know if he don't hear the snap count sometimes or what, but he ain't even getting out of his stance good sometimes, man. So uh, that's that's that was discouraging. You know, Kyle's going to do what he's doing. He's going to get his numbers, the offense, the receivers, they're good. But just to watch our trenches struggle like they struggled um, this game on the offensive side of the ball was, was, uh, was a bit much for me. But but that's that's the thing too. So you know, I've seen a, a, a few people saying, you know, he didn't know the snap count. Well, damn, well, aren't we too late in the season to not be knowing the snap count? He just got he's just out of his like, come on, his too late into his career too. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying, like, bro, this is like his second or third year out there, bro. Like third, third year at Florida. Yeah, yeah. What's the issue? I I don't know what it is. Um, and no matter what you say, I no don't really care about his has- issue at this point. Right at this point, I'm concerned about. Why the coaches don't see everything we see? Because I know they do. So, like, that's more of my concern at this point. It's not Gene Delance. It's who's putting Gene Delance out there is my concern at this point. Well, part of me is, like, you know, Nick Delatore and I were texting right before the press conference, and he asked for some numbers, and I sent him over his way. And, um, you know, Dan Mullen's whole thing was just kicking the ball down the – you know, kicking the can down and saying, oh, you guys – they don't know the play count or they don't know what the snap count is. They don't know what his responsibility or what his play is. I mean, but if you look at the numbers, I mean, you can account for maybe, you know, when you record some of these facts that they're not, you know, hundred percent in terms of what you should, you know, what the play is or maybe what the responsibility is. But Gene Delance leads the team in sacks allowed four, in hits allowed. He has more than double the amount of hurries allowed and he has almost triple the amount of pressures allowed from anybody else on the team. And to top all of that off, he's also the most penalized offensive lineman on the team. And so at some point in time, you have to have a better alternative. And if you don't, that's one of two things. That's a development issue. That's a recruiting issue. And that's a very, very frustrating position to be with a guy that played at Texas, transferred here three years in the system with the same coach, the same offensive line coach, practice with the same quarterback on the second team, with Kyle Trask when he was back up and still can't figure it out. It's exceptionally frustrating to watch. And the excuses that, oh, you know, you just don't understand what you're looking at is frankly BS and it's very annoying to hear. Yeah, I know they don't take a genius to spot terrible offensive line play. Like I don't I don't have to be any type of guru or football genius to see that. Like this guy's whiffing and not blocking anybody. Um when he's on one on one with a defensive end, like he's in he's He's barbecue chicken. Like, I'm nervous. He's going to get Kyle. Like, Kyle's getting hit. A lot of drives were killed by the Lions. In the run game, he's getting no push. It ain't just him. Some other guys on the offensive line as well. So, I don't want to just harp on him the whole time. But um, I wasn't pleased by a lot of 51 action either, man. Uh, it's okay. just like there's no push. 
and he was whiffing on to stop as well. So put some of the young boys in, man. Let us Tennessee was a matchup, but we could have got guys in. I think Missouri, all these teams were matchups, but we could have shuffled some things around and tried to get some other things going. Um and you're not gonna fix Gene Delance by Atlanta. Right. He is who he is. So if you put him out there, I expect him to get manhandled. I am I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that my preseason projection of Stuart Reese being the offensive MVP um, can be put to that. <laughs> Dan. I get it, Amon. Damn, Dan. And like I told you from the beginning, it's that whole right side, right? Literally. I mean, the left side wasn't doing much either this, this Tennessee game. Just be real with you. Um, to be, to be yeah. quite frank, yeah, the whole, the whole offensive line. Oh yeah, like twenty yards rushing or something. Not a lot. Um, let's so let's talk a little bit about the rush game. Dan Mullen said that he's not worried. He said that they basically just he's upset that they didn't call more running plays. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, Florida ends the game uh, with thirty yards. One of those was a Jacob Copeland seventeen-yard run. Kadarius Tony had seven yards. Naquan Wright had two. Damian Pierce had five. Malik Davis had zero. You have 11 rushes by your running backs and, and with seven yards. And then on third and three, we had the goofiest running quarterback dive. Whatever that was. What was the point of that? I mean, we can't run the ball all day, and then we try to run that on third and three. Well, it's just weird. Right? I mean, fit him into that, and every once in a while it works. But, I mean, you, you have Damian Pierce, who's kind of your bruiser. You have – Naquan Wright, which you know has shown that he has the ability to get yards, it's just a, a weird, a weird time and a weird pick, and I mean, threw everything off kilter. Yeah, I just don't understand the um, the rhythm of the play calling when it comes to the run game. Even in that case, at that point in the game, like if you're gonna run the ball with a quarterback, then do that. If you're gonna run the wildcat with Trey Brown Grimes, then cool. But asking Kyle Trask to do that, uh, talk all that. A willing runner stuff that sounds good in a press conference doing coach speak because <laughs> it don't it don't deliver the same in the game that look that looks crazy every time he runs Kyle like that it ain't his fault don't run him on that I don't want to see him run dives against Bama please don't send him on that mission it's a waste of a down in my opinion well and you have a quarterback that's built like Cam Newton as a freshman I'm not saying that he is Cam Newton for the internet but you have uh, you have Anthony Richardson back there. And then you have Emory Jones, who are both more capable running backs. If that's a decision that you choose to make, but you know the, the reluctance to figure out the running game is wild to me. Which is, I guess, going back to the offensive line's ability to to create holes and create opportunities for running backs to get yards as well. I mean, all three running backs that get the ball are all capable enough to to you know cut through the hole and, and get some yards, but. All right, before I don't know I, what it is. Before I get into my defensive uh, complaints, let's get let's get, let's get an offense some flowers before I don't want to be too down. No. Um, so shout out to the offense. Cal did what he did. Uh, what we did? Three touchdowns this week. A uh, four. Four. I'm going for a four again. Okay. He's losing losing count these numbers. Um, Trayvon Grimes got two. Copeland got one. What's got the other? I'm mm. forgetting. I'm sorry, who did you name? Tony got one. Okay, so Tony, Copeland, and two for Grimes. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, big day for Cal. Big day for uh, both Cows. Um, yep. Copeland had Copeland could have had a second touchdown, but Grimes kind of snatched that from him 
Um, overall, the offense is doing what they do. Cal is spreading the ball around. I do want to take some more deep shots. It do seem like our chemistry is off a little bit on some of those deep balls, man. But uh, his ball placement is crazy. When he's scrambling outside the pocket and hit Copeland on that pass, man, I don't care what nobody's saying. There's nobody playing better quarterback in college football right now than Kyle Trask. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kyle Trask, when he was blitzed uh, against Tennessee, was 10 of 13 for 87 yards, two touchdowns, uh, under pressure, you know, three of five. So, you know, w- offensive line didn't play well. Kyle Trask definitely did uh, what he had to do. But, you know, again, over 400 yards. Um, I think he's had over, you know, 400 yards more than I think any quarterback on uh, Gator history in a, in a season. So, um, correct. It just absolutely incredible numbers that, that he's putting up, uh, has an ability to, to find open targets, to lead targets. But not only that, I mean, he's putting the ball in places that are only uh, spots that receivers and tight ends can catch him. I mean, his ball placement is, like you said, absolutely incredible. Uh, so shout out to him, Kyle Pitts. Like you said, it did what he had to do. Uh, I'm just I'm excited about what this team is. I'm excited about how excited they are as they're moving the ball down the field. There's just some things that they've got to they've got to improve and they have a, a game against LSU next week to to figure it out. Defense, 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 defense. Um talk to me. Uh more the same shot to Ventrell Miller. He had a good game. Um yeah. player uh, SEC, SEC player, player of the week. Yep. Yep. Uh, so shout out to Ventrell Miller. Them, Lake, them Lakeland boys, huh, Dan? Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Uh I think he's the only linebacker in the sec with two uh player of the week um awards so big shout out to, to ventro miller uh, for winning job. that award absolutely but <laughs> we have tackling issues man um i don't this team don't practice tackling i don't think we practice tackling in the off season during the season anytime uh 13's coming with a lot of shoulder pad no arms every single time uh, just a lot of broken tackles at this point in the season, dog. Like going into Atlanta, because that's the that's the key. The running backs that Atlanta, that, that we're gonna be facing in Atlanta, you can't be missing tackles on, man. You just gonna have to be able to stop some phase of the game. And um, I don't know if we stop either right now. Hey, so you want to hear it? You want to hear a dandy fact? I don't think you want to hear this one, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. The Gators had 16 total tackles against Tennessee. They had 15 missed tackles. 15 missed tackles. Hmm. You ain't going to be a good team like that. I'm just letting you know. I mean, obviously, a lot of people who listen to our show watch a lot of football and can, can kind of understand that. You won't be the good football team doing that. I mean, it's pretty much what losses to Texas in their game, a game we shouldn't have lost, a team that, that is not a better football team than us. Um, a fumble is what did us in the end, but we also couldn't tackle and stop the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just – like Tennessee just wasn't that good. Even throwing the ball out of the backfield, like they could hit running backs all day. I don't know why they didn't just keep eating on that because mm-hmm. we could not stop the running back out of the backfield. It's wild. Um, I thought Brenton Cox played pretty well. Got a couple hurries. Yeah, a couple um, um, penalties as well. He, he did. Yeah. yeah, I was just about to get there. And a couple hurries, but on the flip side of that, he had what? At least two roughing the passers, right? Or was right. it three? Yeah, yeah. two, two. That's uh, <laughs> I think we had three all together, but he he was uh he had three total penalties penalty. in the game. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, who how, how do you think the defensive backs played? Poor, 
I don't think I think uh Kyrie had a real good game. Yep. But I think we got beat on the, those third and longs. We got beat third and short. We got beat on passes. Uh guys not making plays on the ball. Um Marco got beat. Marco got a holding call. Mm-hmm. It's just like we're not playing good in the secondary. Um Kyrie played good ball. Outside of that, everybody else did not have a good game, man. Oh, uh, shout out to Trey Dean. I think Trey Dean is all uh, his time and his blitzes incredibly. When um, that's one thing I, w- I want to get Grantham his flowers for. Yeah, he, calling he, better blitzes. He's definitely calling that better. But like we said at the beginning of the season, remember we kept coming late and not getting lined up. If you time your blitzes, if you're gonna blitz, blitz. You're not tricking nobody by playing like you blitzing and you're not blitzing. And some of the time, some of the some like I look at our defense. Sometimes we still do it a little bit. Um, we fake like we blitzing and whatnot. Sometimes we just got to get lined up because, bro. It, if you know football, you, I'm sure that quarterback knows you're not blitzing because if you blitz, the next person that's going to pick him up is a safety 15 yards off. So we right. know you're not blitzing, bro. Stop doing that. Just get lined up and, and let's play football. I love it. I love it. Uh, how? So let's let's talk safeties, right? And Florida obviously has a massive problem there. You have a game against LSU, then a game against Alabama where they're obviously going to air it out. I, I just – I don't even know what to expect. Uh, I do know what to expect. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going to actually happen. Who who do you put as your your two starting safeties uh, against Alabama? Sean Davis, Trey Dean. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm with you. Man, man but, if I don't, but, but, but who do you put at the start though? Do you, do you keep two there? No, I don't, I'm not feeling two. Like, uh, that's what I'm trying to ask you. So, I mean, what are we going to – Give me Chavez Johnson. I don't care. Give me Chavez Johnson. Give me Kyer and then give me Jaden Hill on the outside. I'm just gonna keep it a ball. That's who I want. That's my that's my five. Yeah. What, from what I've just seen, man. You know what I'm saying? That I would like to see when we from going forward. LSU in Atlanta, Kyer, Jaden Hill, and uh Trevez at the star, and then my safety's Dean and Sean Davis. Um I gotta find we gotta find out the health of Sean Davis as well, though, because he missed this past week with an injury. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't love um, the chance of Donovan Steiner trying to match up against Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or or tackling anybody. anybody or tackling anybody. Um, if I don't see him for the rest of the season, we'll be all right. <laughs> I can say that about a lot of people, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I, there's just nothing about the body of work that's being put out consistently. Not even just in coverage. I'm talking. In pass rush, I'm talking about overall tackling. I'm talking. Is this about- the worst Gator secondary you ever seen? Because it's definitely the worst Gator secondary I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I th- and what's crazy is that they have talent, right? Um, they are just so poorly. They they just execute so uh, poorly. I mean, Nick, I, Washington, Nick Washington say, "Hold my beer." No, well, Nick Washington. Yeah, I would take Nick right now. Person. I would take Nick Washington right now <laughs> over a lot of stuff in our secondary. You capping. <laughs> I would no, take I not Nick Washington. I'd take the, the routes that Will Hill took. I'd take a lot, right? I mean, when was the last time they, they talked about the Gators secondary this way? It was probably 2007, no offense, Ahmad, right? Yeah. Super yeah, young team, right? Bo Hayden, freshman. You're a freshman. Marquis Anderson's out there, right? Like, Janoris Jenkins is a freshman. So, like, you have all of these people that just had no experience, but you fast forward to this year, you have a four-year player in Marco Wilson, a five-year player in Donovan Steiner, a four-year player in Brad Stewart, a four-year player in Sean Davis. 
right? A four-year player in trading. You name all of these people, and it's like you guys are all acting like this is like the first week you've played, not Trey Dean and not Kyrie Elam, but this is like the first week you've played or the first season you've played. And a lot of them have had the same coach for the last three years, or, you know, Torian Gray's a good coach. So like what, what's going on? What, what is the issue that week after week after week, it doesn't seem to get better. I thought we got lined up a little faster this game sometimes. <laughs> I thought we got lined up a little bit better sometimes. Like, what do you owe me to say? You know, we're, not, um, we're nine games in a seat. No, it's not you. It's just like, we shouldn't even be having this conversation season. right now. And, and you're like, right. Sometimes line up quicker sometimes. Sometimes. Hey, shout out to my defensive line. I think Zach, Zach Carr is making himself some money. Slayton is playing outstanding solid. I, I love Slayton right now. Yeah, he's playing a really solid season, man. Um, Cox too, man, if he freaking stop with uh, late hits. Absolutely. So because um, he, he comes off the ball out of his mind, bro. Like he he really comes off the ball. That last touchdown they scored just that just gave me. I, I I just walked away from the TV. You know how that little meme where the kid cries one tear and walk away. Yeah. That, that was me. That last run that they ran in, we missed like five tackles on that play. I was just like, what was that? And P Ryan got up there and said, "Oh, this this the backups." Okay. No, yeah. no, that was definitely not back up. It was definitely uh, eleven and thirteen missed it, and then forty. Right. Uh, some same names we say every week, bro. It's the same exact names. Thirteen. Well, technically, they backup. Forty is a backup, but forty got to make that tackle. Forty is a third know. person. Thirteen in the backup. Eleven in the backup. Them the first two touched him right. in the backfield. Right. Yeah, I've seen enough out of forty to, to know that he's on the field enough to not be considered backup. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on this game? I mean, Florida didn't have a great game. Yeah, we just can't leave the points on the field. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, yeah. I'm not concerned about the offense. I think we'll go get points. I just think, like, we're not playing a team of Alabama's caliber. And whiffing on a block versus Tennessee ain't the same as whiffing on a block versus Alabama. Some of those are going to end up being strip sacks and cost us big, at big moments, man. Um same thing with the quarterback play. We're playing a quarterback that's not that good. It was a young boy that yep. got some talent. That's mm-hmm. gonna be good one day, but he missed some open throws. Yeah, um, he just wasn't a good quarterback. We're gonna we're gonna face some guy. We're gonna face a guy in Atlanta. He could play, you know. So um, the the margin of, of of error is just shrinking every week. We gotta get our shit together. <laughs> margin of error is about as thin as as a credit card right now. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like everybody's talking, everybody kind of just. I'm not trying to go to Atlanta just to go. I, I want my boys to go out there and pull this shit off. Yeah, so I'm yeah. looking every week and hoping they get better. This defense get better because yeah. they look good for Atlanta. But man, I don't want to waste this this historic quarterback. These right. numbers Kyle putting up on just getting to Atlanta and getting waxed. Now let's right. go win this shit. And and there's no reason that they can't right. Yeah, there's a bunch of reasons they can't right now. Well, no, well, yeah, there is not, but that's not what I mean. But there's no reason yeah. you put it all together. They have the talent. They have the scheme to be able to win that game. Absolutely. And now it's a matter of executing at a high level. It's about not getting complacent. It's about putting your best foot forward each and every play. It's about fundamentally doing well. What is it you uh, engage? What is it? Hit, engage, and wrap up or whatever it is. Um whatever the terminology is, a defensive backs user defensive, but that's what you need to do on defense. You execute on offense. I don't – It just don't seem like we rallied to the ball and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like when, like, 
on that second and third level, it just seemed you like gotta, was- you got to get there. I mean, bro, like it was times when me and Major used to sit. Literally, we're sitting in the meeting room and and we're looking at ourselves on film and we're trying to. It's like a contest of who can come out of their break faster, right? And, and you know who can come off the off the break of the quarterback or or break on the ball that's running. Like we got competitions on who can do that the fastest, bro. It's like it's no urgency. It's like these dudes, like everybody want to dive at feet. That's it. They want to dive at feet with elbows. Like, you can't talk to nobody diving at their feet with an elbow, bro, in this league, bro. Oh, man. Like, come on, dog. Like, I don't know. So, I don't know if they're teaching that in practice, but that's what I see on film. There's a lot yeah, of yeah, elbow yeah, diving right. at feet. Just start calling for some names. <laughs> all right, yeah, bro. That's where it's at, man. What you got next? Yeah. I think uh, like a couple of things that I saw or a couple other facts um, – Gators are outscoring their opponents 93 to six in the final five minutes of the second quarter, uh, which is still uh, incredible. Um, and then here's a, a bit, this from a 538 article. They wrote this about Kyle Pitts in six games. Obviously we know all this stuff, but there's a, a fact at the end of this. Uh, Pitts has smashed to pieces the old stereotype of a lumbering blocking red zone targets, 29 catches on 43 targets for 513 yards, 17.7 yards per reception, and 15 of his catches have been explosive plays or receptions going at least 16 yards. No tight end in the last 16 seasons has made – that many plays out of more than half their catches on a single season. So shout out to Kyle Pitts. He's just doing historic things. Uh, like you said, Silk, I don't want to waste a, uh, a historic quarterback and a historic tight end on, on not being able to wrap up. So got a game against LSU uh, next week. We're going to break that down here in a second after we meet with Tim Brando. Uh, but you have you have one more opportunity before that red uh, crimson tide is is lingering up there in, uh, in Atlanta. And then they got to see me at Magic City, Dan. They got to see us at Magic City. As always, this interview is sponsored by our friends uh, over at Roof Soldier. So Roof Soldier is a veteran-owned company that specializes in all aspects of residential and commercial roof replacement and repairs. So whether you have experienced any recent roof leaks or damage or simply want to take advantage of having a free roof inspection, uh, as we head into the wintertime, the storms have slowed down a little bit, so it's a good time to repair your roof. Give them a call at one eight seven seven roofs fl or visit their website, roofsoldier.com. Tell them Stadium Gale sent you. Get a bunch of money off. Again, one eight seven seven roofs fl or roofsoldier.com. Let's get a living legend, Tim Brando, on the show. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is one of the most recognizable names and voices in college sports. Currently with Fox Sports, previously with CBS and ESPN, is our good friend Tim Brando. Tim, how are you doing this evening? Fine. It's great to be with you. Happy holidays to all of you. And uh, let's hope we get to 2021 sooner than later, right? (laughs) I hear that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Tim, you've been around college sports for, for a long, long time. So love your opinion. Want to hear your opinion on this year's Florida Gators team. I think they're really, really good. And I think they've got a great chance at uh, upsetting Alabama's uh, uh, bandwagon. I really do. I think uh, if there's a team in the SEC that can beat Alabama, Florida is that team. Uh, it's clearly not a and I think A&M is really overrated. And Georgia is probably the most overrated uh, in the college football rankings, I think, that I've ever seen at any point in those god-awful rankings. (laughs) Since the BCS and the college football playoff uh, 
began, it just is further proof of uh, how how rigged uh, the system is for the pure playoff privileged that mm. play big time conferences. Um, Texas A&M looked awful against LSU. I mean, a bad LSU defense that has been torched by literally everyone. And, and Mon didn't do very much against them at all. As a matter of fact, you can make a case it was Bo Pelini's finest hour. His defensive coordinator was defending Texas A&M on the road. Uh, they, they're trailing Auburn at the start of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They're ready to run Gus out of there on a rail again. They're trailing, <laughs> they're trailing on the plains the other day. Now, it's a good, solid road victory in the SEC. But A&M right. has no business being ranked where they are. Now, I know they beat Florida. And people are giving me a hard time today. I put out my my top ten every Monday, and I, that's I, a crazy I, top ten, Tim. <laughs> it's it's not if you watch all of college football, and I watch all of college football. And the problem, Corey, is that not enough people do uh, in today's in today's media uh, because the reason they don't is because they don't have to. Mm-hmm. We've got a system now that really only cares about four or five teams. Right. And nobody else. I dare say not many people knew who the Coastal Carolina quarterback was on September 12th, but I did. I was <laughs> yeah. calling his game. Mm-hmm. And they've done a lot since then. Grayson McCall should be a Heisman Trophy finalist. He's really good. Oh, wow. uh, he beat he beat a kid, Wilson, at BYU that's going to be a first-round draft pick uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. Talk to anybody, they'll tell you that. But But – Again, this is all about the privileged, all about the the, the power five teams. The, the group of five gets no love, mm-hmm. absolutely no love. And yet in one week, uh, the Sun Belt went 3-0 and against the Big 12. Uh, <laughs> that was back in September. Uh, and, of course, the Big 10 and the, uh, the Pac-12 weren't playing then, and the SEC and the ACC didn't start until two weeks later. Listen, this is a COVID year. It's different. It's yeah. – it's, uh, it's unlike any other season we've ever seen, but to some extent, all right, at least for me, uh, and I like to watch all of football, those early weeks, the only teams that were playing, now think back, okay? I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you to go back more than, uh, you know, a month. I'm mm-hmm. asking you to go back about seven, eight weeks. If you were watching college football closely, you were watching the Big 12 and then all of the group of five. They were the only ones playing. Mm-hmm. So we saw a lot of, Arkansas State, a lot of Louisiana Lafayette. We saw a lot of uh, uh, Liberty. We saw a lot of Coastal Carolina. And uh, and BYU was playing some early, too. Of course, they're not technically in the group mm-hmm. of five. They're an independent, so they're sort of in limbo somewhere. Uh, they're Notre Dame, basically, with a, without uh, a seat at the table. You know, yeah. if Notre Dame hadn't joined... If Notre Dame hadn't joined the ACC for one year, they would have been like BYU, struggling to find people to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, because because Stanford wasn't playing, USC wasn't playing, Michigan State and Michigan weren't playing. Uh, they needed somebody to play. And that relationship between Notre Dame and the ACC is exactly why Notre Dame's in the position they are right now. They had no other choice but to join the ACC for one season only. And it worked out beautifully for them. So... Yeah, I will. I will. I'll give you a million reasons why everybody I've got ranked, Corey, is exactly where they ought to be, and and no one can can tell me otherwise. And when somebody says, "Well, but if they played ten times, uh, they'd lose eight or nine times to Florida or A and M," well, 
they don't have to play in the college football playoff. You play one game. It's one and done. One and done. That's so my that's my problem with it, Tim, because I think in that one we wax them. Say what? I just think in that one game, we don't need eight or nine. I just think in that one, um, we're gonna play we're just on a different level than Coastal Carolina. I understand who, their resume, who, who, but I just think who's we? Who's we? Uh Gators. I don't think so. I don't okay. think, I, I completely disagree. I, I think that you're underestimating them because you know they put jock straps on too, fellas. Okay. <laughs> no, they got they're they're a good football team, but I just think it's different caliber of athletes. They're not seen as much. Well. That kid likely is an unbelievable player. That running back is outstanding. I'm here to tell you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I, tell them, I understand that. But can they can they play defensive back? Because we're gonna light that shit up. <laughs> 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 I understand you talking about their running back and all that. But you can talk smack all you want. I'm here. To talk. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and I am. Uh, you know, listen. I, I'm coming on with you guys just after I put out my my top ten. And uh, yeah. you know these. Uh, these, uh, I don't mind somebody disagreeing with my mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, point of yeah. view. That's, that's fine. You can disagree mm-hmm. all you want. But, you know, to call me this or to call me that, which I get every Saturday, every time I <laughs> hello, how are you on Twitter? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, on Twitter. And, and, yeah, I know I'm asking for it by putting my top ten out. That It comes with the territory. But we ought to be able to disagree without, uh, yeah, for sure. you know, being jerks. When somebody starts acting yeah, like no, you know, t- I, I will engage. I will be nice until somebody gives me a reason not to be. Right. right. Yeah. Your ass is gone. You're blocked. Yeah, yeah there you go. There yeah, I've been, I've been quick on my block trigger too, Tim. I know the vibe. <laughs> That's why we need to get to 2021. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got the bullshit, right, Tim? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tim, Tim, I, I do want to talk to you about your, your top four because right now you have uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, and then you do have Ohio State in there. Um, do you think that Ohio State – and it looks like they're going to probably end up playing the six games. Do you feel comfortable putting them in a playoff with only maybe six wins instead of some teams that maybe have you know nine or ten wins? Or what are your thoughts on trying to rank Ohio State? I, I am comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell you, had they stubbed their toes or performed, let's say, like AM did against LSU, okay, a couple of weeks ago, uh, if they had performed uh, or underperformed without uh, three starting offensive linemen and countless mm-hmm. other players on defense right. against Michigan State, that game had been more competitive. Uh, I would have slid Cincinnati in their spot. I would have. Yeah, uh, but that's who's, that's who I've got five. Cincinnati's also really, really good. They've got a great defense. Their defense is just yeah. outstanding, and their quarterback is also underrated and undervalued. He's really good, um, and Luke Fickle's done a hell of a job. They've got they've got power five type talent at that. Mm-hmm. They do. They and sure if, do. If you don't know that about Cincinnati, then you haven't been paying attention. That's that sure. The, the thing with Ohio State, and maybe this is uh, because it is subjective, it is subjective. The thing about Ohio State that I can't get out of my mind, and I'm sure a lot of other people uh, probably feel this way too, is without Justin Fields leading that parade to bring football back to the Big Ten, mm-hmm. you know, without the players themselves. Think about this. Justin Fields, you can argue had more to lose by playing this year than he did game. He had more to lose than right. he had game. His mm-hmm. place in the NFL draft was secure 
whether he had played quarterback at Ohio State this year or not. So as a quarterback, you can make a case the only place for him to go individually was down mm -hmm. by playing this season. But he wanted to play and play badly. He knew this was his year. He knew he had the personnel with him. And, you know, he's looking around seeing Georgia playing. And, you know, he made this move to, to play at Ohio State. Now he's, he's not going to be able to play because of geography, because of where he's located. I mean, he was, he was pissed, justifiably, okay? But he went out of his way and, and I think led the, the, the parade of Big Ten players, not just at his school, but at many others, to say, you know what? The science has changed. We want to play. And they made it so difficult on the suits, you know, the leaders of, the, of those schools, that they finally acquiesced and, and put in these rigid, stupid 21-day protocols and six-game eligibility crap, you know, to make it harder just for image sake, to make it appear mm -hmm. as though they cared more about human life than either the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC. Right. Um, but they did get on the field. And uh, I think Justin and, and the Buckeyes, if they handled their business against Michigan, and if it's not Michigan, I don't know who the Big Ten puts out, out there, <laughs> Maryland, whoever they put out yeah. there to make it a sixth win yeah. handle their business, then I, I, I think it's justified for the Buckeyes to be in. And, and Tim, what, what is your Heisman pick right now, or who are your finalists right now? I know you mentioned well, uh, I, the, the quarterback from uh, Coastal Carolina, but who else do you have in, the, in that group? In my, he'd be in my top five or six, and you know we vote for three. Right. And here's always been my philosophy, guys, because we, let's face it, uh, they ought to have five. We ought to be able to put five in instead of three. Mm -hmm. I think that's way too low, number one. And I think that certain players you know won't win, but they deserve to be invited to New York. Through the years, I've talked a lot to Heisman finalists, you know, and they'll say, you know, I'd never been to New York until I got invited by the Heisman Trust. And so a lot of times we forget this, but it's true. The players just want the experience, you know, the experience of being with their peers. Like, for instance, uh, last year, uh, Jalen Hurts knew he wasn't going to win the Heisman, but Jalen really was happy to be there and be a part of it to keep the, the role going for Oklahoma for the two Heisman winners in front of him. And, you know, he wanted to be, honestly, he wanted to be with Burrow because he and Burrow, uh, you know, had, had spent a lot of time uh, through the years together, you know, coming up through the ranks. So, you know, I thought Jalen deserved to be there. So a lot of times with my vote, I will I will vote one and two. I will vote the guys I really think should win. And my third place vote goes to the guy I most want to have the experience of traveling to New York. OK. Sure. And so that's what I do. Um I, I haven't whittled it down to three at all. I think Trask probably uh, is in a position where he controls his destiny. If Kyle Trask can move forward, win out, and beat Alabama, okay, and you start looking at his numbers that are just like Burroughs, in some cases better than Burroughs, okay, which we thought was, you know, the the best year that we'd ever seen in college football, then I think it's his to, it's his to lose if he can – you know, go out there and just continue on this pace that he set for himself. Uh, Mac Jones is another guy. And this is the other problem Mac runs into. You know, Alabama has three guys, right. uh, 
three guys, a receiver and Devontae, a running back and Najee, taking votes away from Mac. Okay. I, I think Mac Jones is probably the guy that will be invited, but the votes that are going to be given to the other two guys on his own team will work against him. But I, I certainly think that right now, if you're going to put Trask, you know, in the favorite position, Mac would have to be in the next next best spot. But again, I think there could be a problem for him. Uh, he might not even finish third because his own teammates could be, you know, taking the vote and carving it up a little bit from Alabama's point of view. Um, the kid that I think is the most overlooked uh, that's out there in college football right now as it relates to the uh, Heisman Trophy is the running back at Iowa State, Brees Hall. He is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He can get to the second level just like that. Uh, he's, he's an unbelievable – not, not many people are talking about him. He plays in Ames, Iowa, you know, and – it's funny to say this, but Oklahoma now with two losses is drafting off of Iowa State to move up in the college football playoff standings. Uh, so that's another one that jumps into my mind. And and certainly uh, Zach Wilson up until this week, I thought was in a great position had they won and had he been really impressive against Coastal Carolina, but he wasn't. McCall would have to be in my uh, top five or six. I do think um, – but Najee Harris is the second best running back in the country behind Brees Hall. I would put Najee in that position. Uh, but, but other than those guys, uh, that little cobble of five or six people, uh, I can't think of anyone. I think it's sad that the, the award lately has become the best quarterback on the best teams trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wish it weren't that way, but it's morphed into that. It seems, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of like Urban Meyer. I heard him say the other night, um, you know, we ought to wait on the Heisman and uh, and start having it after the entirety of the season is over, till after the national championship is determined. But that'll never happen mm-hmm. because the Heisman Trust will, you know, this is more about images and impressions than it right. is who the most outstanding player in college football is. Tim, um, you got, I think you got one of the best jobs in America. Um, did you grow up wanting to talk sports radio? Well, I, being a play-by-play man is something I wanted to do from the time I can remember remembering. <laughs> you know, I was watching television when I was about five or six years old in 1961, 62, and I'm listening to some of these great voices like Kurt Gowdy and uh, Chris Schenkel and Jack Buck and uh, Ray Scott. And so many great play-by-play men that were, you don't even know their names because you were nowhere near from being thought of. Right. But, you know, this is the internet generation that we're in, uh, Corey. I was the television generation. You know, when I was six years old in 1962, not everybody on my street had a television set. And in 1964, color television was as big as getting uh, your FM radio for the first time. And, and FM radio was a big deal in the 70s. Uh, and I was going to school and, and, and broadcasting high school football with my dad, who was also a broadcaster, when I was uh, 14 years old. I quit playing football in the eighth grade so I could become a, a play-by-play man of a high school football team with my dad. So, yeah, this was all there was. It was either this or paint white lines down the streets of my <laughs> This was it. This is all I ever wanted to do. 
And, um, you know, here we are four decades later and uh, I'm 64 years old and I've been, um, you know, he mentioned it a moment ago. Uh, I started uh, at ESPN in 1985 doing games. But by the time I, I left there, I went to actually Turner in Atlanta. I did the Braves when they won the World Series with Ernie Johnson Sr. in 1995. was there from, from 94 to 96, then on to CBS uh, for 18 years there before going to Fox. So uh, four networks, four decades later, I'm, I'm still at it, and um, I can't imagine not doing it. Even now, I still think um, uh, as much as I've done, I still think my best work is in front of me. And uh, I hope I still feel that way next year. <laughs> right. What do you think about, uh, just speaking of next year, with the climate of college football now and all the transferring, the COVID, the way things are working out, what do you think about the future in the landscape of college football? Well, as much as I love the game, if you follow me on Twitter or you've ever listened to me, you know. Uh, I think our sport has uh, reached a very, very difficult fork in the road. Uh, and a lot of it is COVID-related. Uh, many of the uh, problems that we've had that I've talked about for many years, a lot of people just didn't understand quite what I was talking about. But I think because of the COVID issues, they now know what I was talking about because it's there for everyone to see. Uh, we were just talking earlier about, you know, only six games for the Big Ten. And well, some of the teams in the Pac-12 are only going to play three or four games because of postponements and everything else. Uh, you know, the, the lack of, of stability and uniformity and universal leadership in college football is its biggest undoing. Uh, they should disassociate themselves completely from the NCAA. The NCAA has done nothing for college football, and frankly, it doesn't need to because the lawsuit that was brought by the universities of Georgia and Oklahoma back in 1984, and again, I know I'm talking before you were born, but still. No, I was born in 82. Okay, well, you were just a, you you were in (laughs) But in in 1984, that lawsuit enabled us at ESPN to carry college football for the first time in prime time on Saturday nights in 1985, okay? I was 29 years old. Now, that was great for college football, but what we didn't know was, the NCAA would, would, would be mad, be upset about it. And I think in a lot of ways, try to stand in the way of college football. And it's done that. Uh, right now, when people say to me, and this still happens, fellas, people will say to me, even some in the media, when's the NCAA going to fix college football? And I'm like, really? <laughs> Are you asking me that? Are you not aware that they have no power? Whatsoever? They have no power. College sure. football? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, yeah, it happened. Look it up. Supreme Court ruling of the universities of Georgia and Oklahoma. They won uh, their their case uh, to, 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 to gain control of the rights of what they were doing with their football programs. And it was great to give the, the sport more exposure, and it did, because the NCAA was only showing one game a week, and um, teams could not be on national TV more than two times a year when I was growing up. Well, now it all changed. Uh, The College Football Association was formed and soon the leagues began making their own television deals. Notre Dame separated from that um, consortium and and began making their own individual deal with NBC and the rest is history. So what we've seen come from that 
that legal victory for college football is greed take over college football. Uh, those leagues care only about themselves. Okay, they don't want to share their revenues. And that's why the Power Five is the Power Five. And the group of five sounds small, doesn't it? And they want to keep them small. They want to keep all those programs in, in the American Conference, the Conference USA, the Sun Belt, the Mountain West, the Mid-America Conference. They want to keep them small, okay, because they want their money. It's all about their money. And um, that's what we've seen happen. We've morphed into this situation where now it's all about us. And when I say us, I mean the conference's constituency. By example, let me give you a great example of what's really wrong. All right. On the one hand, I want to say congratulations to the ACC. John Swafford cut a great deal by getting Notre Dame for one year only. And he just told the University of Miami, guess what? We're throwing you under the bus because our league's got the best chance of getting two teams in the playoff. If, if Notre Dame doesn't have to play Wake Forest and Clemson doesn't need to go play that wasted game with Florida State. So we're just going to call those games off and advance you right to our championship game, which, by the way, Notre Dame could lose that game and still get in because right. they already have a win against Clemson in the regular season. So you can make a case, boy, what a smart move that was by the ACC. Yeah, but you know what? Florida still has to play another game, right? They had to play Tennessee before they can get to Alabama. Alabama has to play another game before they can get to their game. All right, so how ethical really was that? Well, ethics be gone. We don't, we don't have ethics in college football. The conference commissioners are going to do whatever they can do to mitigate the issues for their teams because all they care about are their teams, nobody else. And I think that is fundamentally flawed and needs to be changed. College football needs a czar. We need one leader that can be turned to for all the major issues that come our way so we don't see what we saw at the end of last year during COVID. When we got to the end of the year, we were thinking surely they would all meet and talk and collaborate and say, okay, when do you guys want to start? Fellas, none of that happened. They told us how much they were, uh, how collegial they were with each other. Excuse me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I got so excited, I knocked something over. <laughs> it's all good. But, but they tell us one thing, and then they do another. Uh, they don't, the, the ACC only cares about the ACC. SEC only cares about the SEC. We need someone that they all have to turn to, and, and we need some guidelines that fans can follow. And uh, college football needs to grow. We're not going to grow as long as this is about the pure playoff privilege and we're talking about the same four or five teams every year. Until we have every part of the country thinking they have a chance to have a team in the hunt mm -hmm. for a national championship, and right now we don't. We haven't. Since we went to the playoff, it's been worse than the BCS. You know, during the BCS era, Boise State really had a chance. Yeah. They mm -hmm. did. A couple of missed field goals, or they would have been yeah. in the playoff one year. I mean, in the championship game mm -hmm. one year. Now, it doesn't matter how good Cincinnati or Coastal, they'll, they'll never get a sniff mm -hmm. with the system that, the way it is. And frankly, the Pac, if, if you're ruling out the Pac-12 and you're ruling out the Big 12 every year, that's 45% of our nation's geography. We're not going to get the ratings that we deserve to get for the second most popular sport in the country 
if we don't have all of the country involved. Imagine, imagine for a second, uh, fellas, if we were talking about 10 or 12 teams for eight spots, as opposed to five or six teams for four spots. Okay, right. That's a much more compelling conversation. Imagine if college game day had gone to, to Conway, South Carolina last week, and we had eight teams going in the playoff, not four. How much bigger would that day have been if the winner of that game, a lot of people would have been saying, had a chance to really get in, okay? That would have been huge. College football needs that every now and then a Cinderella. You know, that's what that's what pro ball has always been about. It's what, you know, when the amazing Mets beat the Orioles in the 69 series, when Jim Valvano cut down the Nets in 83, I mean, that's that's the essence of sport. In college football, we take uh, we take the underdog or the Cinderella, and we say, "Sorry, you know, uh, your prince just turned into the frog. It's over. You got no shot." Um, we need to change that, and we also need to get the rest of the country as enthralled by the game as the Midwest and the Deep South. You know, fans in the Midwest and Deep South are college football fans. They're going to be they're going to be there no matter what. Mm-hmm. But around the rest of the country. Most of them, after those four or five teams, don't know a damn thing about college football. And that's a shame. That's really a shame. I got you. Hey, Tim, a little bit back yep. to uh, Florida football a little bit. Uh, you say we have the best chance in the SEC to beat Bama. Yes. Um, uh, what do we have to do to accomplish that? Trask has got to be hot. He's, he cannot make any mistakes. The, the, the serum for beating Alabama really has uncha- is unchanged. you got to have the kind of game Deshaun Watson had against them when Clemson beat them the first time in 2016. You got to have the kind of day Joe Burrow had against them last year. Okay. Cannot make massive mistakes. And you must put pressure on the perimeter, the the width and depth of the field. Okay. The width and the depth of the field must be covered. Alabama's secondary is exploitable big time. But recently, you would not, you wouldn't know it because no one has had the talent to put any pressure on that secondary. Not since the Ole Miss game. Go back and take a look at what Corral did for Ole Miss with the lane train in that game. So I would suggest, and look, Dan Mullen uh, doesn't need my help, but I guarantee you he's seen the tape on what Kiffin did, and they need to do more of the same. Florida's got the receiving core, and they've got the quarterback to get it done. Their defense has to play their best game. No, no doubt about that, because Alabama is going to score points too. But your offense cannot afford to make mistakes. Trap has got to be up to the big game, the big moment, just like Deshaun Watson was for Clemson, just like Joe Burrow was for LSU last year. I got you. All right, so you said you know their secondary is a little a little weak. Um, By Alabama standards, yeah. Right, there you go. There you go. Um, does does that have anything to do with, with the pass rush? I know we talk about it all the time. It, it, it equates and it goes together. Um, sometimes you know when when you have a good pass rush, um, it makes the ball come out quicker. You don't have to defend it as long. Um, how how is how is Alabama's front seven in their pass rush? Well, I think their front I think their front line is actually is actually. Okay. I think their linebackers have been problems. You know, Nick had to make a a drastic shift in the way he recruited 
after Watson lit him up that year. And he went away from the strong, heavy, you know, high tower type, you know, linebacker. And he started getting hybrids, you know, guys that were really more like strong safeties to play outside linebacker. Because right. you got to take on, a, you know, when you got five guys out in pass uh, uh, routes, you got to have more guys in coverage. Right. You know, you got to have rush ends that if they have to be able to drop back into pass coverage, you know, uh, right. outside linebacker. So he changed his philosophy and he's gone with smaller, quicker guys at that position, which has helped. But that money defensive front, those big guys that were really, really good, great pass rushers, I, I don't see that from 2009, 2010. I don't think their D front is as great as vintage Alabama defensive fronts have been. Their linebackers are actually improved. I think their linebackers do a better job in coverage okay. now than they did a few years ago. Um, but, I, but I mean, ultimately, the, the level of player that he has, you can't measure Alabama against anyone but Alabama. Mm -hmm. If I started saying, well, they're not as good as, well, no, wait a minute, they're as good as anybody. <laughs> are they up to their standards in the past? And I, and I think Alabama's secondary, okay, is not up to past secondaries. And uh, their, their defensive front's not bad. It's not as great as they have been. But their linebackers are probably more improved than they were, say, for instance, when they lost to Clemson, you know, two mm -hmm. years ago. They, they were torched uh, by, by a, a great quarterback, uh, but a, a freshman quarterback. Somebody just lit them up. And the reason was their secondary just wasn't up to snuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, uh, we really appreciate your your time coming on the show today and talking to us about uh, the national picture of, of sports. And what we love is we're, we're three guys that put our thoughts and opinions out there, and we often get roasted for those. So we're, we're <laughs> glad that you, well, you hey, do that. You stand in the paint. You're one of us. I think I'm nuts. God bless you. That's what makes it work. Uh, you know, uh, the – the reality is college football is subjective. Mm -hmm. The fans are passionate. And I love that, you know, to a point, uh, to a point. But at a certain time, people have to understand that I see the game from with, with a big picture snapshot. I'm not just looking at this one area, all right, Whether just the SEC, just the ACC. Just, I, I can't do that because I feel – that I got into this business to cover the totality of the sport, not just this region or that region of the sport. But I, I love being on. I'd love to come back sometime. Absolutely. Hey Tim, hey Tim, I grew up, I grew up hearing you in my living room and watching you do this in my living room, man. It was a pleasure, and it's like this is this is dope, man. I appreciate you for coming on. Well, my, thank you, Corey. I, I remember the time in which you were involved, and I've always respected you. And and it's great to be with all of you. It really is, and I mean it when I say it. Uh, follow your own path. I hope the journey is a unique one for all of you. And if you ever need my help, you know where to call me. Absolutely. Well, Tim, thank you so it. much. And, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. You got it. Take care. Bye -bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. All right. Tim Brando with Fox Sports. Uh, just a really good interview. Great to have him on. He stood in the paint there. Yeah, for his, uh, yeah, Carolina yeah. pick. Yeah. yeah. He told us exactly why he picked him and, uh, 
Yeah. He's a goat. I respect his views, yeah. but that top ten is nuts. I don't even know what you're talking about because you lining people up on the field with us, and we running through that shit. So I don't know what you're talking about. I, I respect. You guys are gonna have some words at each other. Nah, I respect that, but I done been on that field. Remember, he 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 went in the booth after ninth grade or whatever he said. Shit, I've been on that field. There's no way. There's no way, Dan. For Christmas, are you looking for a new mortgage? Well, then look no further than my friend Carlton Black with Envoy Mortgage, who's licensed in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. He's going to offer all types of home loans, including conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, fixed rate loans, adjustable rate mortgage, jumbo loans, and more. He can also help with refinancing. And if you are a real estate agent, reach out to him uh, where he can, uh, where you guys might be able to partner together. So again, give our friend Carlton Black a call 404-769-5501 or email him at cblack at Envoy Mortgage. That's E-N-V-O-Y mortgage.com for all of your mortgage needs. Florida plays their final game in the Swamp on Saturday night against LSU, who is entering the game off of a very, very rough season so far. Three wins, five losses, coming off of a 15-17 to 17 shellacking by Alabama on primetime television. Um, boys, thoughts? We owe their ass, Dan. We go ahead, like like I always say, man, handle business. We need to beat the teams that we we, we we supposed to beat, but beat them how we're supposed to beat them. Like we already know we could be LSU. Like going here and handle them like how we're supposed to handle them and not fiddle fart around with them. Fiddle yeah. fart, I love it. Like, Florida is a 22 and a half point favorite right now. Yeah, as a team that's uh fresh off of uh playing Alabama uh against a quarterback that we're kind of going against for this Heisman thing, I think we need to come out firing and put this thing thing away early. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um it's a competition, Dan. That's not that's not waste our time and, and come out here trying to just um do these weird running plays in the second second half and stuff. Let's just put this team away. Go for their throat. Blow the, I don't like how Dan kind of just dials it back when we're up in the fourth quarter or, or early in the third, midway through the third, kind of just chill, man. Like, like, bro, let's go for the throat. Like, give me some old ball coach. Let's put 70 on. Like, we should have put 65 on that Tennessee team, man. We yeah, have to keep teams when they down. Dog. They're not – they down. Let's, let's kill our rivals while they down. I'm going to get them a little life and just get an easy win and get out of there. No, let's blow them out so they can think about it all season. Yeah, and, and so we can get these trolls off. Um, Florida is going to be without Jeremiah Moon in this game. Uh, Sean Davis and Rashard Torrance are both questionable uh, for that game. It was announced today or yeah, earlier today in Dan Mullins. Um, uh, I forgot Moon was on the team. Man, y'all already know. Listen, Arkansas. I for real. Man, I'm, listen. I've been trying to question what, what was going on, what the hype was about that. But hey, about no, what? I just, I just really just forgot. Like he just been he said, gone he said for he, so long. He, he forgot Moon was on the team. I did. Oh. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, he's missed what four or five games this season. Literally every year. Yeah. yeah. So like. I don't know what the hype is every year about this. Yeah. He plays once in a blue moon. <laughs> oh, man. The, me uh, the measurables, measurables is probably the hype. Yeah. Same thing with Bernie. Like, most of the time, it's the measurables. When you haven't seen him on the field yet, they just know how fast he can run, how high he can jump, and how strong he is, and all that stuff. But it, ain't tra it hasn't translated to the field yet. You're right, Amon. Um, 
I think TJ Finley, their quarterback, is the one that's going to play uh, against Florida this weekend. Uh, 140 um, attempts a season, 79 completions, 56.4 completion percent, and 946 yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions. Has taken six uh, sacks this season. So definitely not strong. Miles Brennan was the one that started uh, most of this, or started at the beginning of the season at least. Uh, 60% passer, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. I'd be curious to see what exactly they do trot out. Uh, they turn the ball over uh, quite a bit uh, through the air. Florida has done better recently of getting the ball uh, from uh, their opponents through the air. Uh, from a rushing attack, rushing perspective, they really have a two-headed monster in halfback John Emery and then uh, Tyrion Davis-Price. Both of them have, you know, high 300s, 391 for Davis Price and 366 for for Emery. Uh, both not super um, successful backs in terms of yards per carry. Emery's not bad at about 5.1, uh, but I know that he had a couple of kind of late game uh, drives or a couple of late game um, runs where where he was able to do well. He's the more explosive of the backs, you know. But ultimately, both of them go down pretty quick uh, with yards after contact. Um, and, and both have a, a, a singular fumble on the, uh, on the season. So, you know, we talked about this when we talked about Tennessee, but what do, what do you guys want to see out of this game, if anything other than what you've already said? Mm, I want to see somebody else start the offensive line, but I'm tired of saying that. So, no, I, I just want to see them blow this team out. I mean, Atlanta's the barometer. We should be beating the crap out of Tennessee, I mean, LSU. Uh, it's not a whole lot of takes for this game to be real with you. You know right. what I'm saying? Um, Finley's not a good quarterback. He's okay. Like he has good, uh, a good ceiling and all that. But for this matchup, it don't take a good quarterback to torch our secondary. But he's just not good enough to, for them to beat us. Uh, we should blow this team out. But I think um, we just, a lot of our problems have been masked these last few games, and we'll see what we got in Atlanta. That's what this is where we at with it. Um, do we have any potential? been a lot of coaching rumors and stuff are we going to talk about that a little bit yeah yeah we are uh we've got a couple other uh pieces to talk about before we get there that's on the docket don't worry so um uh, oh, what, what are your keys again we got to get score predictions and all that so man we, we we just we just again we got to go do handle business how we're supposed to we know this team can't play with us and we got to show them that um but but you know part of me is, is with, with silk too as well is we know we're gonna win the game. We just probably gonna go ahead and win the game and just you know have to show up in Atlanta. Which gonna keep it vanilla. Yeah, like, yeah. about to keep it vanilla. And I I kind of get that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's a SEC West opponent. I mean, gonna show too much. You know what I'm saying? Right. But if we can execute at, in vanilla, we still could go put up 50 points on the team because we kept it plain Jane last week. But you just had guys like like certain moments with Copeland's dropping balls to keep drives going. Yeah. Like, you just got to, like, just execute, you know? Like, so uh, we should come out and blow this team out, dog, but this, this is not saying much. Yeah, I, I want to see them put together a, a full game. It's been since Georgia that this team's put together a full game. Uh, but this is your last opportunity uh, before you play arguably the best team in the country. Uh, you can beat them. And there's ways to expose them, but at the end of the day, you have one more opportunity to, to prime the pump before you go out there and play. So I want to see good, clean football. I want to see you know protection and make sure that you get players out of that game healthy and safe. Right. Number two right. is what do we want to work on? The rushing game. We right. want to work on 
um, the the right side of the offensive line, which I don't know if if that's going to solve itself. We don't um, need to work on anything at this point. Like the rest, I guess game, it is what it is. We too, we too, it's too late. We don't work on something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then we are. Yeah, we were who we thought they were. Um, I'm not mad at being a pass. Like early, like last year, I was like, oh, we all pass up at this point. Like you lean to your shrimps. You, you play the games to win. You know what I'm saying? We got a historically good quarterback. Put the ball in his hands. And I'm fine with us throwing the ball around the yard if that's what we're going to do. But don't give me no quarterback dive on a third and three with the best quarterback in college football. <laughs> they can't okay. run a quarterback dive like that. That's when I'm frustrated. And, you know, like, what, what are we doing here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what are your uh, – what do you guys have a score? It's hard to pick a score because I don't know what Dan want to do. We can score 100 on everybody, but if Dan want to start running, <laughs> the quarterback dies on 33. Again, you know, so I'm going to keep harping on that. Then I don't know. I can't be saying my crazy 40, 50, 60, 70 burgers, man. So I'm just going to go like 35, 13, something like All right. that. Amon? All right. I'm going to go uh, I'm, I'm going to go 31-17. Ooh. I'm going to go 49 to 10. <laughs> I'm going to eat oh, that uh, next yeah. week. But... He runs that dive again. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's just something I, I think that Dan dials it back up this week. Um, I hate being conservative. And I also hate being conservative. I get that you don't want to put stuff on film, but I hate being conservative because these guys only have X number of games to play their you know entire career. And I know you want to go out with the W and everything else, but I also want to be able to see them play the full game so or, or be able to play all aspects of it too. So, Hoping that uh, we see some some new things open up against LSU and and see a team that's ready to to take on Alabama in a couple of weeks. And I want to see the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement of playing because uh, I feel like we've we've lacked some energy uh, over the last couple of games. Yeah, I think they're coasting through it a little bit too. But uh, I, I I think we're gonna see some. That's far away. We're not get too deep into the yeah. into the the Bama stuff. But I think we're gonna see some uh, Emory packages that we haven't seen so far this year. I think he is. Uh, hiding some stuff absolutely well Seth let's do a quick brunt read got a bunch of stuff to talk about outside of just college football or uh, already for sure for sure one time for Greg and Brunt Insurance and Financial Services man anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys my man Greg is the best of the best when it comes to car insurance home insurance if you got a trailer if you need renters insurance for your apartment anything you need insured even your life my man Greg can take care of you 954-589-2204. Again, that's 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policy. Brand insurance to financial services. So let's let's talk uh, South Carolina named uh, uh, Oklahoma assistant and for, former uh, assistant at South Carolina and son of Frank Beamer, Shane Beamer as their new coach. Brian Johnson interviewed for that role uh, at the end of last week today when asked about if he was disappointed or not that he didn't get the job, just said how excited he was to be able to coach these guys and everything else. Um, Were you guys worried that Brian Johnson might get that job? No, I wasn't worried. I thought that was more of just a routine check um, just to start filling them out, I think. I didn't think he was going to take that – uh, was gonna get offered that job, in my opinion. Yeah. But I think he's due. I think his day's coming up, man. So um, we'll see who who's 
Mullins' replacement at that time. But yeah, I think Brian Johnson days are numbered. I saw a weird. Um, I'm gonna say not weird. But I mean, just a postulation of Brian Johnson potentially to Vanderbilt. Hmm. I don't know about. I don't know about Vanderbilt, but yeah, I don't think he's here long, Dan. All right, well, put your Ahmad, Let's let's do this. Put yourself in Brian Johnson's shoes for a minute. What kind of school do you go to? Like, assuming that it's available. Um, you know, I I just don't see a a, a big, a, you know. I mean, obviously Vanderbilt's not a huge name. I mean, it's just SEC school. Right. I just don't feel like, um, you know, a team like a school like that will will just off the jump go for Brian Johnson right now. I, I mean, just as me personally. I mean, not saying he's, he won't be a good coach. I just don't think right now. Um, uh, jumping like another SEC school will be something that um, that a school will want to do with Brian Johnson. So, um, if I'm Brian Johnson, I don't jump at Vanderbilt. I jump no. at an ACC job, um, maybe Virginia Tech, but that was they didn't get that one. So, uh, if something comes available, like uh, who knows in the future, Maryland or 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 even like a UCF, yeah, like, UCF like type a, job, for sure, for sure, for somewhere, sure, somewhere he can recruit and get some guys in and have a, somewhere like, where he put it like this, somewhere he can go where he don't have a lot of pressure to win right right away. So you can go in there and get your guys. Kind of, kind of learn it a little bit. Um, whereas it's not so much pressure on you to win immediately. Yeah. Um, other, other coaching news: Texas was trying to flirt with Urban Meyer. Uh, there was rumors out there that Shelly Meyer was looking at places in Austin to live. Word comes out, Urban Meyer says no. Uh, where do you think Texas goes from here? Yeah, uh, I think Texas may have to poach a coach. I don't think there's no free agent um, guy out there. Like Urban Meyer would have been perfect for them, and not have to wait for a season to end or something like that, man. But I think Texas is gonna have to wait a little bit and and, and kind of watch the landscape of football. Who you, I don't know who they could possibly go get. The, <laughs> the one name that I saw was Matt Campbell, uh, head coach of uh, Iowa State. That ain't gonna do it. Um, I don't know if that's a cultural fit. Matt Campbell, uh, I don't know a ton about him. I know Iowa State's a really tough place to win. I think that right now they've got a, a couple of, of really good players, including the running back that Tim Brando uh, mentioned. But I don't, I don't know if he's that. I don't know if he's it. I don't know who's it that are out there. Right. That's uh, the thing about the Texas job. It's such a splash hire all the time. I don't know who's splashy right now. I mean, do you think that Tom Herman can? Um, can stick around. I mean, Texas did come off of a win last week. Um, I mean, with that being said, not a lot of hot names out there. Um, not a lot of coaches that are really sh- thriving at, you know, underperforming schools or, you know, usually underperforming schools. Uh, so I, I don't know what, what you do. Um, it seems like a lot of the big splash hires have turned out to be kind of mediocre at best recently. Well, who owned Clemson, Rob? I mean, that's when, like, you started seeing either oh, like, the what, DC- Brent Venables? I mean, defense coordinator, right. right? I mean, but Brent Venables is making a couple million dollars a year at Clemson. I mean, he's probably had a ton of opportunities to that Texas to, bag hit different though. Like, I think yeah. the money won't be a, but, a but issue. With it comes the expectations. Yeah, that, that's that's one thing about it. Yeah, the money ain't an issue, but I think that's what what we getting a lot of guys out there is because that money, and then they get out there and it's like, oh, is Texas really a good job, Dan? Like, Hell yeah. I mean, is it? Well, I mean, yeah, well, that's, that's, I mean, besides the money, right? Yeah, location, money, 
uh, tradition, history, it's a good job, bro. We talking Texas about tra- tradition, and, yeah. We talking about tradition and history, but then Texas that's, has that's won. Really, that's really all it been. What, what, Texas they, has won the Big Twelve twice in the last fifteen years. We're just talking so about like Texas a job, is a a job, So that's what I'm telling you. It, so a, job entails, a job entails uh, the money of the program, boosted support, the your area, your location. Is there local talent around you? Um, that's what really a job entails, like the traditions and stuff around it. That's a fucking top three job probably in college football, bro. Theoretically, yeah. No, it, it should go, be. Yeah, but right now, dudes ain't going there. Dudes going to go, go to A&M. I mean, I mean you because mean, you've had coaching? two kind of failed head coaches, and, and that's, that's what, right. not, I'm not, not getting in a hurry to go to damn Texas. I know y'all talking about rich and tradition and all that, but as a, as a, as a recruit coming out of high school – I mean, I'm not in a rush to go to Texas. Point but Texas is not good, but that like it's for. But that's job. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, as as a job, you you, you gonna go there and, and, and be gone in two years just because you want to be at Texas? No, Herman can get recruits. It ain't like he's not been able to land guys. He's been able to right. land guys. He's just not winning, bro. Yeah, yeah, he's just not winning. So whoever gets that job, if they start winning like Mac Brown was doing. They just made a mistake when Mac Brown stepped out. He's never been the same. Yeah. But when Mac yeah. Brown was there, they didn't have to comp- compete for commits. The best kids in Texas are gonna go to Texas when Texas is good. Right. That's a that's a heavenly job, bro. Yeah, it'll be, right it'll be it's, interesting it's, because the, I, I don't think that they go after somebody that's not already a head coach. Right. That's a job where you can't go learn on the job, right? I know that they were gonna have Will Moschamp do that before Florida got him when he was head coach and waiting and all that. But it is a, a guy like Brent Venables or you know, their offensive coordinator Tony Elliott go. Uh, but I don't know who those names are. I mean, Matt Campbell is kind of a name, right? Um, somebody's going to poach the the Coastal Carolina coach this year. It's not going to be Texas. Um, you know, does a guy like Luke Fickle, I mean, but he's an Ohio State and Ohio guy. Like, does he go? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, so I don't know who else you could potentially look at. As, they, as they, they better, We better pay Dan Mullen a lot of money. I don't know if Dan Mullen goes though. I mean, because I don't know what Texas gives you that Florida doesn't outside of maybe some more money. They give him some, that's enough. They give him some Jimbo Fisher ass crazy deal, you yeah, know, a hundred million dollars. But listen, I mean, Dan Mullen lives in, in Gainesville, Florida. It's not that expensive to live. I mean, five, seven, eight million dollars, whatever he's going to, he's making more than five, but seven, eight million dollars is, you know, what he would probably get, you know, next year, the year after next extension that he signs. I mean, that goes, you know, as far as nine or ten million at, at Texas, he doesn't have any connection to Texas or to Austin, no, right? And they're going to need somebody that wants to win right I, away. I don't think I don't think none of that matters. Like connections, any of that. I don't think any of that matters when it comes to money in in this job profession. Um, but just if, if there's a lack of uh, real good ass coaches that's available that you can go out to right now, and I mean he's the obvious name, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That that was somebody would be interested in. I I don't know if he's interested or not. Right. But that would be an obvious name. If I was a, a college football AD, I would at least throw a fill out there to say, hey, are you interested, man? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, but he's already with his AD that he had at Mississippi State, right? Unless there's some friction or some tension there. No, but so. nothing really changes by going to Texas and Florida. But, I mean, you, you do never know. You know, I mean, you have the Wilson guy from, from Indiana that's their head coach. You know, I don't know if you look at him. I don't know if he's been successful long enough. It might as well keep Herman, to be honest with you. Like, right now, it's just not a yeah. good year to make a hire. I don't know why they fire Herman right now. I, I just who, don't know who they can go after that's better. That's a more sure thing. Right? There's people that could be. But. I, don't know. I know a guy for him. 
I'm not a perfect guy. Floor, University of Florida defense coordinator. Todd Grantham is the guy for the job. <laughs> he, he is. I think that he is absolutely the guy for the job. So um, they do come looking, knocking on that door. Uh, damn, all this shit recommend a guy. Like, hey, no, I'm good. I got a job, but I got a guy for the job. And you can, and, and I have a, uh, I've got a defensive coach that has some defensive coordinator experience. I'd be more than happy to, to put as his defensive coordinator over there as well. Your staffing guy, Dan. That's how it works, right? So you yeah, I am a staffing guy. That's right. <laughs> that is how it works. All right. Well, we have a, a special guest that's going to join us for a minute. She's doing a, a charity event. It is the wife of Florida Gator punting legend Eric Wilbur. Uh, and it comes from a long lineage of peak family uh, lineage uh, playing at the University of Florida. That's Allie Peak. Hey, guys. How are you? How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, hey, y'all didn't mention Texas's facilities, but I read an article this week that right. they actually need some major improvements. And Mullen's gotten Florida to sign off on ours, and they're on their way. So if he makes a jump to Texas, he's you know Seven a couple athletes. years behind in that aspect. Hey, you know what? We should recommend Freddie Stevenson's fundraising services to help Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's oh man. Allie, how are you? Let's talk a little bit about the Gators, and then let's talk about something that, that you're doing, which we think is awesome that we want to talk about. Give us your thoughts on the season thus far. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, okay. I think that, you know, I think the last three years have been stepping stones for Mullen. I think um, you don't beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, then you aren't as far along as you want to be. Um, but I, I think whether or not Florida wins, this was a step in the right direction. The Georgia monkey is off his back and the program's doing well. Excellent. Excellent. You think Kyle Trask wins the Heisman trophy? You know, I think there's a damn good chance. I think depending on the quarterback play of that, of that game, I think the probably whoever has the better performance, maybe even not necessarily the winning team, but the better performance probably wins the Heisman. I love it. I love it. Well, Allie, we want to, we want to hear, we know that you do a big charity event every year. Is it you and Eric or is it just you and you tell Eric to, you know, go take care of the, the twins? Eric got dragged in when he married uh, into the family. So he, he is a part of it now by marriage, but you know, my, um, my dad played football at Florida. My grandfather did, my brother did, and we were just a big sports family. And, and, Growing up, every Christmas, my dad wanted to donate sports balls to, and we do Metropolitan Ministries because it's it's near us. They have a tent. Families can come and kind of shop for their Christmas presents. But his concept was always that if you give a kid a ball, you can occupy an entire neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So that's why we always did sports balls. And he, you know, we go to Sports Authority. He makes all of us grab carts. We, you know load them up, go and check out. And then he would always make us stock the shelves at Metropolitan Ministries and interact with the families because he really wanted us to see where it was going and, you know, how other people lived and what other people in our community were dealing with on a regular basis to kind of make us a little bit aware of the world around us. Um, there's seven of us in our family. So you can imagine mm. seven of us and, you know, and both my parents pushing these shopping carts through sports authority. At some point there was like three-year-olds running all over the place and screaming babies and whatever else. But we've done this. I think this is probably the 19th or 20th year. Um, uh, you know, a, a really, really long time and it's grown. Now four of us of the kids are married. So our families contribute as well. So it's kind of grown from there. But, um, you know, it's, it's my favorite Christmas tradition. 
I love it. I love it. So how do we get involved? Well, um, you know, that's a great, that's a great question, but you guys can, um, I, we can put my Twitter name out there or whatever. It's, it's, at Ali underscore peak, you can message me, I can talk to you about um, options of sending something through PayPal or Venmo mm-hmm. or showing up or they could send it to you know, you guys on the show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you have sports balls, and you're in the area, I could figure out how to pick them up from you and, um, and get them to the right places. We we always do metropolitan ministries. And there's, there's also a, a school this year that is in need of some stuff. So we're going to send some their way as well. Um, but you know, the more the merrier and and there's a lot of people that need help, especially in 2020. So we're hoping we can make an impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Allie, once again, tell everybody where they can follow you. It's at Allie, A-L-I underscore peak, which is P-E-E-K. Um, retweet a lot of your stuff too. So you guys can find me in the stadium and Gale, uh, feed, I'm sure. And, um, also if any of you guys listen to peak to pit on there as well, um, but yeah, Allie underscore peak. We only listen for you. <laughs> well, it's certain, not, not it certainly part. wouldn't be TJ, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Definitely That's right. not. Well, Allie, we appreciate it. Let us know how we can help. We'll continue to put that out there. Uh, again, Allie Peak. Uh, and what do we call it again? What's the? Does it have a formal name? It doesn't have a formal oh, name. Wow. Nope, okay. it doesn't have. But we, you know. The ball drive, I guess. I don't know. We need oh, something oh, super creative. <laughs> Eric got, always wants to call it balls deep, and every year my dad. I shoots like, it I down. like balls deep. Uh, I like <laughs> balls, the balls deep sound like a winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get a graphic made up and all. If you oh, get a graphic right. made up, you have to stick with it. Then it's you real. Got, yeah, you, you gotta keep it. All right. That's right. I love it. Well, Allie, thanks so much for for coming on. Let Eric know we said hello, and then uh, everybody, if you can, please support uh, Allie. That's an awesome charity. Metropolitan Ministries is a great uh, group doing some great things here in Tampa as well. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks, Allie. Thank you for coming on and hanging out. All right, guys. Right before we get to the Manscaped read, which I know is everybody's favorite part of the show, this was something that we, we put on Twitter earlier today, so I want to hear what your guys' thoughts are. What gator do you most identify with, like, your age? Not the same age as you, but, like, growing up, maybe when you became a gator fan or, like, when you think of the Gators and kind of your formative years, who do you first think of? Danny Werfel, Spurrier okay. guys. Yeah, because that's when I that's when I really like start looking at like and understanding football, right? So, I you know every year when Florida Florida State play it was always a, a dominant game and and, and uh, a game that held a lot of weight because those teams were ranking in the top five, top ten every time. And we got away from it for for a few years, but I could just remember. I'm um, looking at those great Florida State teams and, and Florida teams and Miami teams and, you know, um, you know, thinking, you know, hey, man, those guys are, are some fast dudes out there, you know, with Danny throwing the ball deep down the field. So Danny and the boys. Uh, so. Um, that's hard, man. Uh, you should identify with. I mean, I grew up on, on, on the Spurrier era. era. Uh, that's probably what made me fall in love with, with – ain't probably that's exactly what made me fall in love with Gator football. But um, around the years, I would say when I was in high school or right after high school when I was playing the college ball, um, Grossman and those guys were playing. And um, that shit was just amazing to me. Grossman putting up crazy numbers, and those were the guys that played around the same time that I was playing as like a young man. So um, I identified with those guys big time, especially like when I stopped playing. I, I watched, I followed their the pro careers and all that, man. So I go with the Grossman era. 
Yeah, I'm I'm gonna probably go uh, with Danny Werfel as well, Mod. Uh, when the Gators won the national championship, uh, I was eight, and so that was right around the time that I really started getting into football. Uh, also, really, just he's just a really good person. Did a lot of great things. Became a Saints fan actually, just to kind of cheer him on. And then he went over to NFL Europe, tried to follow his career there, and it's just too hard to follow him after that. But uh, Danny Werfel is a is a legend. But but I would say just watching Those that Rex, bro, you be respectful to Rex. Oh, Rex Grossman was incredible. I mean, you talk about a guy that was robbed from the Heisen Trophy. Rex Grossman was the guy. Uh, but Danny Warfel probably are more Warfel than, than Rex, so that's probably the vibes then. Yeah, I'm a little bit more Warfel than regular. <laughs> I would say you're a little bit more Rex and Warfel, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all sorts of stories. <laughs> Tell us somebody that more Rex is crazy because Rex is a wild boy. Yeah, that's wild. That is, that is wild. I, we yeah. need to get him on the show, man. All right, I'll have my people reach out to his people. We'll try to figure that out. Yeah, if somebody listens to this show, y'all, if if anybody has the the cheat code to getting Rex on the podcast or radio, y'all holler at us for sure. Yeah, and I need I need Rex on my pod next week. Would be a good time to get him on. Absolutely. All right, very good. Well, Silk, I think it's time for everybody's. Favorite ad read from Steve. Oh, you know what time it is, man. You got to keep them balls right. Allie was talking about balls deep. Balls deep is the vibes. Visit manscaped.com for the best of the best when it comes to man grooming. Before you go balls deep, you need to shave them balls, man. Uh, Lawnmower 3.0 It's waterproof. No excuse not to shave them balls because you can knock it out right in the shower. Waterproof. Skin safe technology, so you're not skimming yourself or, or bleeding or anything crazy in the shower. Uh, the weed whacker still got my nostrils flourishing, you know, breathing good in this nice weather in South Florida right now. Uh, coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's coupon code SG at checkout, 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. And don't forget the ball deodorant because greatest thing ever. It is Christmas time. Yeah. It's a great stocking stuffer. Yeah, you, you can't stock that stuff in. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Um, uh, just a, a quick news. Tiger almost got out of the cage, man. Tiger almost got out of the cage. My bad. Rex coming out in you. Um, uh, LSU uh, tight end Eric Gilbert looks like he might be transferring. Five star tight end, uh, about 350 yards on the season, uh, nice. but he might be transferring. Um, outside of that. Uh, we do have an episode of Facts Only. Uh, it's a recruiting podcast that we do. Silk, Connor, uh, Connor from Rivals, and then myself. Uh, that will be recording Thursday night. We'll put that out Friday morning. Outside of that, catch us in Atlanta. Catch us on our Patreon. Catch us on our shop. Catch a mod on Cameo. Catch Silk acting like Rex Grossman. In Atlanta at Magic City. Yeah. For sure. And all the uh, vegan spots. Oh, vegan Rex Grossman. That's me. Uh, Tunmise Adeli, however you say his name, he's visiting Tumashi that's how you said it. I'm gonna call him Tumashi Adelie. That don't, I don't know who who came up with this spelling, but that don't say Tumashi. <laughs> I, I don't, you know. Okay, I'm gonna go with what it looked like. Tunmise Adeli, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he's visiting this weekend, so shout out to that man. Um, gotta get a last. A last chance effort before he commits uh, real soon. We'll talk about it on Facts Only, though. Yeah, we will. Um, and shout out to the Florida Gators who have the chance to be only the third team in Florida history to win nine SEC games. Ahmad, I think you're on one of those teams that did that. So shout out to you. 
Yeah. Very good. Same corner, same time next week. Who got the song? I got the song. No, no, I do. No. Very good. What we got? Oh man, I I ain't have nothing prepared. (laughs) I don't. I don't either. Um, I would imagine (laughs) that I'm gonna play some country music. Um, Ahmad, do you have uh, any suggestions of great country music artists that I I got one while my Spotify loads up? Um, uh, eight pretty hard, Billy Ray Cyrus. No, I, I don't. I don't think that that's going to be uh, the direction that we're going to go. Uh, this <laughs> day. Dan, you know, if you ask me, I'm going to say Darius Rucker. All right, then. Troubadour, Turnpike Troubadours, or Troubadour by George Strait. I'm going to go Turnpike South by Rick Ross. Turnpike um, Ike. Turnpike Ike. Uh, let's go. Um, ah, geez, we'll just go with Kip Moore's new song. Don't go changing. Uh, it's a good song. Not the best, but it's the first thing that pops up on Spotify as a song that I just played, and I don't want to waste anybody else's time. So There you go. Country music legend, Kip Moore. Same corner, same time, player. See you guys next week.